Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. It seems like our time is like starting a countdown because August is when we need to start shifting our minds from relaxing on the beach to preparing to head back into the classroom. In this episode, we want to share our ultimate guide for teaching procedures at the beginning of the year so that you can feel more confident and prepared. But first, we're going to hear a time-sucking hurdle, and you're going to instantly understand why we chose this time-sucking hurdle for this episode. This TSH comes from Daisy, who says, I'm going to be a first-year sixth-grade teacher. I'm a little overwhelmed with behavior expectations slash rules slash procedures for the first day. Please help. Daisy, we are speaking to you in this entire episode. I completely understand where you're coming from just having that very first year you don't really know what to do and where to go and how to start and what to be focused on and so while we're going to be sharing a lot of the things that will hopefully answer your questions um, that you have for your TSH I will say to lean on your team as much as possible please do not try to recreate the wheel I feel like as a first year teacher when I was there I was trying to recreate everything I wanted it all to be like very unique to me and have things be, you know, just very different because I wanted to be my own teacher and I didn't want to follow what everyone else was doing. Mm, That was a mistake. (laughs) You need to really just lean on them, beg, borrow and steal, and then you can revamp it as you start to grow in that profession. But um, it is very overwhelming. Take a deep breath and just know that you're going to make it through. We don't know how. We never really understand how we make it through, but we always do. I think that's really good advice to lean on your team teachers. I mean, you should be doing that your entire first year, and you should continue to obviously collaborate with them as the years go on. But your first year is the year when you need their help the most. And just bouncing off of that, I think it's also important to check with you know, other members of your school are looking into like district policies because there may be certain expectations that you don't even get to decide per se. Like Mm -hmm. it's something your entire school does or something your entire district does. And you want to make sure that you know about those in advance of the first day so that you can make sure you appropriately teach them to your students. But as Bridget said, I guarantee you, your team teachers already have like a slideshow ready to go and whatnot. So, but this episode, I think will help as well. Yeah. So now I don't know about y'all, but the beginning of the year is a pretty exciting time because for me, it means routines. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it can also be incredibly stressful, which we understand. It's like the Sunday scaries that last for weeks on end. (laughs) So in order to make this time of the year just successful, we have to remember that teaching procedures and routines is our top priority. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) I do. And I appreciate it. I feel like I'm typically the one making those puns. You do. So I'm happy that you're, you're rubbing you know, on me. jumping on board, <laughs> which speaking of jumping before we jump into the episode, we just want to say that our best recommendation is to create a checklist. We cannot tell you every procedure to include because 
every classroom is different and it's going to vary depending on your grade level, the subject that you teach, the grade level that you teach, so on and so forth. But we are going to share some categories and then give you a few examples for each to kind of get your brain rolling. Then later on in the episode, we're going to share three different strategies you can use to actually teach and review these procedures with your students. And then finally, we're going to share three important tips to remember. So I'm going to kick us off with what are those procedures that we really need to teach? Well, as Michelle mentioned, we're going to give you some different categories. And the first category we're going to look at is the school-wide procedures category. And under this category, the first thing you want to think about are what are those safety drill procedures that you might have to teach at the very start? Guys, I don't know why, but it always seemed like we always had a fire drill the first or second day of school. Yes which was so frustrating, but you know what? I don't create the rules here. So what are those safety drill procedures that you have? This might mean a fire drill, an extreme weather drill, um, a lockdown procedures that you might have to go over. And then you have to have those conversations of, well, what do you do if you're in the bathroom if this happens? And then what do you do when you're outside when it happens? So all of those are going to be things that you really need to discuss as a class. The second part of those school-wide procedures would be walking in the hallway because obviously that's anytime a student leaves your room, like they've got to take the hallway to go to another place. So you want to make sure that students are aware of those expectations. For example, which side of the hall do they need to walk on? Do they need to keep their hands off of the wall and not touch any artwork that's displayed? Most likely, yes. (laughs) Is there a specific line order when you're out there as a class versus when they're out in the hall by themselves? What are the expectations? Do they need a pass to take with them, whether it's a pass that you provide or maybe they have like an agenda book that they have to take, something like that? And then do they need to sign out of your classroom before they go in the hallway versus do they also have to sign in when they come back? (laughs) All of those are just those decisions you have to make from the very beginning and communicate them with your students. And then another part of those school-wide procedures would be eating in the cafeteria. So thinking about how should students be entering the cafeteria? Are they sitting at a specific table? Is that spot assigned? Do they get to decide where to sit? How do they ask to get up from their seat? Like if they need to get utensils or condiments, where are those found in the cafeteria? Or do they have to just raise their hand and someone brings them to them? If they're buying a lunch or buying a snack, what are the procedures for that? How do they use the bathroom during lunch? How should they be cleaning up after they're eating? How should they be lining up when they're done in order to get dismissed? I know it sounds like a lot. The good news is this may be something that you don't necessarily have to teach. For example, if your school uses like lunch monitors, it's possible that it's something they will review with students, but just be aware that these are all of those different areas that you have to kind of consider, which we're going to give you a little time to consider those. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into the next category. Listen, we know back to school is hectic as all get out, and we want to help take some of the stress off your plate. So rapid fire, Bridget, what are some things you know are stressful at the beginning of the year? Oh, okay. Um, getting all the to-dos done before the start of the school year. Check. Our digital planner has a beginning of the year checklist already made. Planning the first week of school. Also check. 
Our digital planner has weekly planning pages already dated. What about creating a unit plan for the first unit? Also, check. We have unit planning inserts that fit in all of our digital planners. Oh, gosh. Having to retrain your bladder so that you're not going to the bathroom at all times of the day. Okay, our planner can't help with that, but there are a ton more features that can help ease your stress during this busy time. And if you want to grab a digital planner for yourself, head over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store where you can browse all the formats that we have available. While you're there, you can also grab some reusable digital stickers and planner inserts to use not only this year, but every year in the future. Now back to the episode. So Michelle, I don't know about you, but on the first day of school, I never ate lunch like in my classroom on that first day. I feel like I had a sandwich. I was very deliberate with it. Had a sandwich and I would just like spend all my time in the cafeteria to like make sure the kids were situated and then I would have like five minutes. So I would like shove the sandwich down my face. Oh no, no, no. No, you took your time. Mm -hmm. I get hangry. I have to eat. (laughs) It is in everyone's best interest that I eat. And I was typically so exhausted on the first day that I would just like lock myself in my room by myself. I didn't want to talk to my team teachers, like (laughs) let me eat my little Sammy or whatever it is I brought that day in peace. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's great. Um, So now we're going to talk about the next category, which are going to be those classroom procedures that you really want to hit on. So under classroom procedures, you want to think about moving around the room and how your expectations for your students are going to be when they're moving around. So this could be things like how do they come inside of the classroom in the morning when they arrive? What do they do when they need to get a pencil or they need to sharpen that pencil? How do they make sure they communicate that they want to get a drink? Are they able to just get up or do they have to give you a signal? Um, How are they going to be sitting in their chairs, which was always a huge pet peeve. (laughs) How are they pushing in those chairs when they're getting up to move about the classroom? And then how are they going to be moving to some form of a meeting area? And then you also want to think about the work organization. So having conversations around turning in assignments with your students. How are you going to be passing out papers to one another? What do you do when you are, what to do with that unfinished work? So how do they make sure to finish that and then submit it to you? What are those desk expectations? Whether it is just their individual desk or if it is a shared desk, how are you going to hold those expectations for those? And then what about table expectations? Maybe you have chair pockets or you have some other form of external storage where they will place their items, but they will have to get up to go and grab their things and take it back to their table. I remember when I switched to fourth grade, that was one of the first things that I had to kind of tackle as a new expectation was my students were switching classes. We didn't have that in second grade. And so suddenly it's like, oh, I need to make sure I teach them like what to do with their stuff and where it's allowed to stay and for how long and all of that good stuff. (laughs) Then one other little section of like classroom procedures you're going to want to consider is absent work or like makeup work. So being able to communicate with students, hey, 
if and when you are absent, this is what you need to do when you come back. So letting them know where they're going to find their makeup work, how long they have before it's due and when they need to turn it in. And, you know, is it a sticky note that you put on their paper or do they know that it's just three days from when they return? How are they going to access their materials for learning? Is it through an LMS that they can actually get on at home and they don't even have to wait until they come back? And are there any responsibilities for students who are sitting next to the absent students? So I know personally, whenever a student was absent, whoever sat closest to them was responsible for making sure that they got a copy of the paper for that student and wrote their name on it and then moved it to the bin that was for the absent students. That was something that I didn't even worry about. I had that be a responsibility of my students. What a great little tip there. As you were mentioning LMS, one of the things that my previous school district did is that the first two days of school were half days, and then they would have to go home, and they would have to do work on their LMS for the first Mm. two days. Michelle, why? All I have to say is why. Um, so the final category that we have are communication of just proce- communication procedures themselves. So think about like your call and responses or your attention getters. Now, here's one of the things to remember when you're teaching them those call and responses or those attention getters is that it needs to match the level of energy inside of your classroom. So if you have big energy happening, you might want to have a really big call and response so that your students can keep that level of energy and excitement going. But if they're working quietly, how are you going to have them respond to you and get their attention during that time? So this could be, um, you could use just a call and response, um, like a, what is it? What's one that you've done, Michelle? I've done waterfall to shh. That was always a great one. That was always my way of like, quieting down Uh my room like I don't necessarily need their attention it's just hey y'all are too loud I would do waterfall oh that's a good one um the whole shark bait ooh aha that was a really popular one for a while that one yeah yeah and then they got sick of it yeah (laughs) um a bell or a doorbell that you might have you can involve different sounds or hand motions clapping or stomping whatever it might be you want to Um, really communicate that and practice with your students. You also want to think about how you will get their attention overall. So group work versus just turn and talk. Um, And then how will you communicate that they are just too loud during that group and partner work? I don't know about you, but I I know you said you just did waterfall, but I just had a little bell and I would tap the bell and that was my Mm -hmm. way of saying you're too loud. And I would just keep doing what I'm doing um, when I was in small group and it was a great way to just get them to look at me and then they would all just quiet down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. You can do it so many different ways. You just have to A, be consistent with it, and then B, make sure you communicate, hey, when you hear this sound, this is Mm -hmm. what I need from you. So another section of those communication procedures is going to be how students are asking for things or asking for like assistance or help. So for example, how do you want students to ask to go to the bathroom? Funny story, when I was in second grade, not teaching second grade, like attending second grade, we were out in a portable which I feel like for second grade, that's kind of a lot. And so we had to have like a bathroom buddy that would walk with us from the portable into the school. You didn't have a bathroom in your portable? No, no, these were not bougie portables. These were like, you know, a little box. And so we had to go in the school building to go to the bathroom. And so we would have to, (laughs) this sounds so funny, but remember I was in Maryland. My teacher had this like 
inflatable squeaky crab. And so if you had to go to the bathroom, you would get up and you would squeak the crab. And then this sounds so absurd now saying it out loud. (laughs) I haven't thought about this in a while. The rest of the class, whoever like needed to go to the bathroom at that time would do like we had, I don't know if it was actually sign language, like ASL, but we had this hand motion that we would do that meant like, Hey, I need to go to the bathroom. And we would pick someone that was doing that hand motion and they would come with us. Interesting. Don't necessarily recommend that for others. I just wanted to share an idea. Yeah. Don't (laughs) use the crab guys. (laughs) And now thinking about it, it's like, hmm, crabs, bathroom. I don't know if that was a good choice. Anyway, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. So also, how are students going to ask to get a tissue or get a drink of water or wash their hands? Do you even want them to ask? Or is that something where it's like, hey, just do what you got to do? How do they ask for like a bandage? Because that I never gave them access to on their own or else they come back with like 10 band-aids on a little paper cut. You're like, no, no, no. Those are expensive. How do they ask to go to the nurse? How do they ask if they need additional supplies or like they've forgotten a pencil, so on and so forth. And then you also want to think about turning and talking. Now, turning and talking is something that we're going to use a lot inside of the classroom all year long. So you really want to set those expectations very, very early on. And so this might be, you know, waiting for your turn or raising your hand. Guys, one of the things that drove me crazy is when I would call on somebody who would raise their hands and then I would still have like five or six kids with their hands in the air. I have my hand in the air at the moment right now, (laughs) but like they would keep their hands up. And I'm like, guys, if somebody's talking, I see you put your hand down and listen to the speaker. It's not that challenging. Um, Having their eyes on the speaker is really important. Um, And I guess, you know, going back to that, like lowering their hands when people are talking, which is very important. And then just how to agree and disagree with whoever is speaking, all Mm. things that you really want to consider. You know, I know some adults that could use help with that. (laughs) All right. The final category. It's the final. Nope. Yeah. I was there. I was getting it. (laughs) Thank you. My head. (laughs) The final category. We're just calling other. These are like things that don't necessarily fit into the other categories that we gave you, but obviously are still important. Starting with a morning routine. So In my mind, routines are a little bit different than procedures because routines are going to happen either on like a daily basis or a weekly basis. And it's like a series of steps, whereas your procedures, it's like it's more one off. Like, for example, a student isn't necessarily asking to go to the bathroom at the same time every day, although some students are. But a morning routine is something that your students are doing every single day when they walk into your classroom. So making sure they know how they are expected to enter the classroom. What are the expectations for unpacking and maybe putting their book bag in their cubby or in their locker, getting their supplies for the day, turning in any materials to you, such as money or forms or notes or needing like redos on assignments. That was always a big one is students are like walking to me in the morning. They're like, Hey, I took home this graded paper and my parents want me to redo it. (laughs) So making sure that they know the procedures and what they should be doing for 
all of that time in the morning before you start instruction. And just to piggyback off of that, then we have our afternoon routine. So how are you going to be packing up at the very end of the day? How are they going to gather those items in order to take it home? Um, How are you going to allow them to really help you clean up the classroom? Or is that something that you want to kind of do by yourself? And then what are those expectations for dismissal time if you have them going in waves? What are those other students going to be doing as they're sitting there waiting for their buses to be called. When I taught second grade, I would always put on like movies during dismissal just to keep them calm. And it was great until I realized that some of my second graders were getting too wrapped up into the movie and they were forgetting to go when their bus was called. (laughs) Bugger. And then one of the last things we want to make sure that you teach to your students are what we call personal pet peeves. So those things that just annoy you as a teacher or are bothersome to you as a teacher and you want to make sure your students don't do that. So here was one of my personal pet peeves. When students would rock back in their chairs, mostly because I would just have visions of them falling over and cracking their head open on the floor. And I didn't want to deal with that. So something I always taught to my students was a little like hand motion. So it stood for four on the floor, which meant I want all four legs of your chair on the floor. But with my hand, picture putting your thumb, like wrapping it in so you're holding up four fingers. And then if you have it going straight up and down and then you just like fold over your hand. So then it kind of goes from like, I don't know, 12 o'clock on the clock down to like nine o'clock. I'm using my right hand. I guess if you used your left, it would be three o'clock. But I would just like show that to them. So whenever they were rocking back in their chair, if I was in the middle of teaching, I didn't have to stop and go, you know, put all four on the floor, like stop rocking in your chair. I would just look at them and do that hand motion. And they knew that that meant to stop rocking in their chair. Bridget, what was one of your like teacher pet peeves? Oh my gosh, I had so many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of them was sharpening pencils. I hated having my students get up in the middle of instruction to sharpen their pencils. And so the expectation was is that those pencils need to be sharpened first thing in the morning or they need to be sharpened as soon as you come in. If we're switching classes, you need to have it sharpened right then and there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear that sharpener. It just is a cringe sound. I just don't enjoy it. Um, And a lot of the times I know that this is dumb and a lot of people will judge me for it and I don't care. I would sharpen their pencils for them because I did not want to hear it at all. Interesting. Interesting. No, I'm not judging you. It's funny because I, it always just, (laughs) when kids were so brazen to get up and sharpen their pencil, what I would do is while they were sharpening it, I would stop talking, but still move my mouth as if I were talking. So then the rest of the class is like, wait, what? And then they would all get on that student. Like you shouldn't have been sharpening your pencil. (laughs) You're so (laughs) funny and sarcastic. Um, so then I think, I guess that last one is mine as well, isn't it? So I told you I have a lot of pet peeves. The other one is moving desks. Yeah. Hated moving desks. And I and I know you and I talked about, oh, doing like the zip, lo- like the zip tie things on the legs. That never worked. I still hated it. Somehow the kids were able to move it. And so I ended up putting like Velcro dots on the floor. And so I would just say, check your legs. And then they would just check the legs on the desks before they left to make sure that those dots were covered and they would be in the exact right spot, which made me not super happy. You said Velcro dot. So would the bottom of the desk have a a Velcro dot as well and it like stuck to it? No. So it's only like the fluffy part. So I would put the fluffy part on the, yeah. So I would put the fluffy part on the rug. It was just like a dot and I would put the fluffy one 
on the the, the fluffy side on the <laughs> carpet um which you do have to use a tool to rip that sucker off at the end yeah. of the year but whatever you know what it's never ruined rugs or carpets which i'm very happy about but that was the best thing ever okay what do you call the non-fluffy side the hard side okay <laughs> I was just curious. I had no idea what what terminology you used. <laughs> oh, All right. So now we're going to start moving into um, just ideas for teaching procedures overall. And so we have three different ideas for you. And the first one is going to be to create an SOP. <laughs> so SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedure. And when you create a standard operating procedure, you want to create this on a huge anchor chart with your students. So create a list of steps and maintain this during the beginning of the year. You can keep the anchor chart posted for about two weeks after you teach it because we all know there are so many anchor charts that we are using at the mm. very beginning of the year. And in fact, I don't even use anchor charts. You know what I use, Michelle? And I don't know the exact size, but you know the huge pieces of construction paper? Yeah. That's what like I they're, use. They're longer and I think a little bit wider than like a standard piece. Yeah. 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 And like longer yes. than like a legal size too. And I, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know the size exact, but I would just use big pieces of construction paper because that was the easiest and it would allow me to post a bunch of them throughout the year. Yeah. So um, keep these for about two weeks after you teach these um, standard operating procedures or your routines, because that's basically what it is. Um, and then you can also take that anchor chart. And what I did is I would have a uh, an anchor chart binder. And so I would take a picture of my anchor chart, make one color copy if you have a color printer at school, and then make a few that were black and white. And then I would put them all inside of a page protector inside of our anchor binder. And you can create different um, labels and sections inside of the binder to help differentiate between what anchor charts are for what. Um, and then as students need them, you can always take out a black and white copy and then hand it to that student to either put inside of their folder if they need constant reminders, whatever it might be. But it's just a great way for you to go back and reference it and not completely just trash it and forget about it. Yeah, I love that idea. And I've also seen where you can take those like little picture frames from Ikea. I think they're like yes. a four by six size mm -hmm. and you can take out the middle part of the picture frame so that it's empty. And then you can use like book rings to attach little mini anchor charts that you print out and then they can flip through them on the little picture frame. And then you can stick them on individual student desks or have them for like groups yeah. to be able to reference. Very nice. So the second idea for actually kind of teaching the procedures with your students and specifically having them kind of practice and make sure they understand what it looks like is playing charades. Y'all, we don't need to make things more complicated than they are. Just have your students work in groups and have them use charades. So hopefully you know what charades is, but in case you don't, it's basically acting things out without speaking at all. Have students act out either what should be done for the procedure and the rest of the students in the group are trying to guess what procedure they're acting out, or you can always flip the switch and instead have them act out what should not be done for the procedure. And what you could do then is whoever guesses it then has to like talk about what to do or act out what to do 
which should be the opposite of what that student was doing. <laughs> but these are great for like quick little time fillers whenever you have those awkward gaps of time where like you're waiting to go to, you know, a special or you're waiting to switch classes and the other class isn't ready. You can always have them just quickly play charades. And then a similar idea to charades is something called a tableau. I actually learned about this in my creative arts class in college. So a tableau is almost like a frozen scene. So if you've seen the old, old episodes of Family Feud, where the family would be behind the like curtain thing that came up. And when the curtain would first come up, they were all like frozen in some kind of a scene. And then they would like move to their spots. You can have them create a tableau where without any movement, they have to stay still. But as an entire group, they are somehow like, acting out, I say acting out like with air quotes, but they are showing what that procedure looks like without any movement. So that's a great one. If your students can't quite handle like the movement with charades, like maybe they've lost, lost that privilege, you can always do a tableau. So it's almost like each person in that group would do one of the steps. Yeah. So like exactly. somebody standing up, pushing their chair in, the other one's like walking yes. over, the other one's opening the door, like that type yes. of situation. I really like that idea. Um, so the final, um, what is this called? Like idea like, for teaching yeah. procedures. Wow. <laughs> words are hard this morning, guys, um, is to create a day in the life video. Now, this works as a way just to review the procedures that you've already taught. So students will work in partners or small groups to create a video showing a day in their life. Give them a list of procedures to include. And then once these are created, you can use the videos the next year to help teach your new class. And this can also be sent to families to really communicate those expectations and say, hey, your child knows exactly what's expected of them, but we keep having these like repeat offenders. Um, and it also <laughs> is just a really great way of just setting that expectation with families so that they are also fully aware of what students are supposed to be doing when they come into the classroom. Yeah, that's a really fun one, especially because a lot of elementary students even are familiar now with like TikTok. And I feel like yeah. you'll see those little quick like day in the life or like my morning routine. And so it's their chance to make it. But it's instructional. <laughs> so now we want to share just three final tips to keep in mind when it comes to teaching these procedures. Number one is to do a little at a time. It reminds me of that phrase, like, how do you eat a whole elephant one bite at a time? Or like Bridget's chicken breast analogy, how she has to cut it up to be able to feed it to her children. <laughs> That's an oldie, but a goodie. It is. So we know that students are going to get confused if you throw all of the procedures at them at one time. It's just too much for their little brains to remember. It's too much even for our brains to remember. So instead, focus on those must-haves for the first day of school. So the things that they have to know before the first day of school ends because they're going to encounter those things. For example, using the bathroom. That was always one of the very first things I taught as my students came in the room in the morning because I guarantee you there is at least one student sitting there who's like, oh no, I'm nervous. I have to go to the bathroom, but I don't know how to ask. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. As Bridget mentioned, a lot of schools will have a fire drill, if not the first day, definitely by the end of the first week. So make sure you get that in there, as well as the cafeteria procedures, recess, and then ultimately dismissal, because you would like your students to get home safely on the first day of school. 
Then after the first day is over, you can start teaching the other procedures as you need them. So for example, you should not be teaching like you're reading small group procedures if you're not going to start reading groups for another week. Like wait until that moment comes and teach the procedure then. Tip number two is to repeat those procedures as often as necessary. Um, Listen, it's inevitable that your students are not going to remember things. They are going to forget all the little bits and pieces to those procedures. But the key here is, is that you have to make your students go back and redo it if they're not doing it correctly. The more you have your students go back and do it correctly, the more that they're going to be able to remember it and make sure that they're doing it every single time. So have students go back if it's not right. And just know in the back of your brain that as you're planning out the beginning of the year, this is going to take longer in the beginning to just, so just make sure that you're accounting for that as you're planning and just say, you know what, I know it's going to take me about five minutes to just get them to stand up and come to the meeting area because we're going to have conversations about certain people that are not doing it correctly. They're going to get up, they're going to go back and sit down. So just keep that in the back of your mind. And then our third and final tip is to create a checklist system. We are now bringing it full circle because I mentioned having a checklist at the beginning. So let's talk a little bit more about that. First of all, we suggest creating what we're going to call a master checklist of all the procedures you need to teach. If you do not already have one of these, do a brain dump, get as many on the checklist as possible, but then you're going to forget things. So as that first week and even the first month of school roll out, you're going to remember new procedures you forgot to add to the list. So just use this year to like get that checklist ready to go. We do suggest using Google Docs because they have those clickable checklist items. Like instead of bullets, you can add in a checkbox, but from there you can also print it, which is super handy. Then as you start teaching the procedure, you can check off that box in order to tell yourself, yep, I taught that to my students. From there, you might have some kind of a system or a way to mark each time you review it. You might like color code it and have like a highlighter or put extra check marks next to the printed list of like, hey, I taught it and then reviewed it twice or something along those lines. But if you are using Google Docs, you can create a drop down list and you can choose like the different items in that list. So, for example, you could have a drop down that says like review one, review two, et cetera, and then you can easily update it as the year goes. And then the final part of that checklist is to then have one you create with your students, basically an anchor chart with a list of all of those procedures. And as you teach them, you can check it off of the list. It's that sense of accomplishment and maybe even like an incentive with your students where whichever student was like doing a really great job with that procedure gets to be the one to like check it off of the anchor chart. Like they love getting to actually do stuff on the anchor charts. So just an idea that you could try out. Yeah, no, I think that's a really smart idea of doing it. And I think the kids are going to really try their very best each time because they would want to go and check it off. I can see my thinking, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. So guys, that is going to be it. This is your ultimate guide to teaching the procedures at the very beginning of the year. Hopefully this is going to help get you set up and 
has some idea of how you are going into that beginning of the school year. And Daisy, we really, really hope that this has helped guide you a little bit um, for what's to come. And good luck on your first year. So here, um, as a reminder, as we always do in, in the at the end of our episodes, is to check out our website and to submit your time-sucking hurdle. We would love to know what is sucking up all of your time right now. Um, and we would also love for you to take some time and subscribe to the podcast. It's completely free. All you do is get notified whenever we drop brand new episodes, which is on Thursday mornings. And we would love for you to take a little bit of time to leave us a review over on iTunes. It really does help us get into the ears of so many other teachers out there. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.